This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Eicher. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Joining me today is a dear friend of mine and the host of the Confederacy of Dunks podcast. It's Freddie Rivas. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm coming to you from my future baby's room. Ooh. Um, yeah, so special, special app. Um, I'll give you a, give us a tour. Yeah, crib. give us. Okay, you know I mean? very nice. The crib, some boxes. Yeah. Um, you know, if uh, if Raptors fans need some comforting, I'll read some kids' books. Yeah. Sheep in a here? Jeep. That. Della Luna. That seems okay. that's a big book. Um. Yeah, that's when they're restless. Yeah, you know, I got some. Uh, baby clothes over there yeah also do my self tapes uh <laughs> pig portrait honestly this is how the sausage is made so you've seen it wow uh that's true that's true are you gonna do anything with the walls like are you gonna paint or wallpaper as someone with very busy walls yeah we're we're trying to figure that out um i am pro busy wall caitlin is uh is my partner I like to make fun of her because I feel like uh, she likes museum walls, which is to me uh, everything white so that the art accents, which uh, truly is uh, devastating for me. I hate I hate it. Uh, you did. So cut, you did cut out a little bit there. Oh, OK. Did, did I? I think we got where did I where did I leave off? I think we got the gist that you like teasing Caitlin, but I didn't fully catch why. She likes white walls, so things accent. And oh. I think that's a bit much, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's the opposite of it being a bit much, but that's fine. Uh, yeah. All right, let's get into the... Not enough. Not enough. Let's get into the NBA here. Uh, you know, big news from, you know, the warrior side of things. Dream on Green suspended indefinitely after uh, a punch to Yusuf Nurkic uh, the other night there. Uh, just wild stuff, really. I mean, a lot of people have come out and said, like, you know, this guy needs help. Yusuf Nurkic himself said it. Uh, Kevin Durant also had comments after the game being like, this isn't the guy who I knew when he was my teammate. Um, he has had several incidences in the last year that are more than what he's had in his career to date or career up to you know the jordan pool punch so there have been mm -hmm. like a series of events that have led up to this you know um i was watching an interview earlier today with joe dumars who said he was on the phone with the warriors and that they were completely like in agreement with everything that was going on or with everything that they decided so you know we've just reached a point where 
not that his actions were ever defensible like that's kind of the funny thing about this where everyone's like his actions are indefensible now and it's like they kind of always <laughs> these actions always are indefensible but there's just been one too many and i feel like you know there's a there's a mental health spin happening with this as well in terms of like you know draymond needs to take the time that he needs and so on and so forth um freddie what do you make of all of this yeah, it's a it's a fascinating thing, and, I, and I, I really like that you highlighted the mental health spin because I think that might too you know, cynical. NBA, no, 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 I know. I think it's a perfect sort of. I mean, I take that as a call out to so to to a league that's like not actually interested in mental health, but mm. they are when it suits them. Mm -hmm. So to me, whether you know uh, whether there's a real mental health issue or not. It shouldn't be like used as like this derogatory um, kind of like scapegoat to an issue because I think you know I, I totally agree with you. You this has been an ongoing thing. Kevin Durant saying that this isn't the Draymond I knew. That's rich. It's, <laughs> it's, it certainly is the Draymond you knew and played with and won with. Um, so I mean, come on, dude. That's that's not genuine at all. Um, well. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe he's kind of looking out for his for for him to some degree, possibly. He, okay, this is my this is my big theory, and you know, I love sure. my big theories. I think you know because Draymond has always said like, "This is who I am. I'm always going to be me." And I think the reason why the punishments or the suspensions haven't worked is because he then self victimizes him, right? Like he self victimizes mm. himself in that like he does that like there's a target on my back sort of speak and like not yeah. acknowledging that he put the target on his own back you know stuff like that and i also feel like the main difference i think within you know this last year and in the past is the warriors aren't who they used to be anymore and i think he's totally. just he's overdoing it like i don't think he's changed I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if anything's happened in his personal life in the last year to make him like act out. But the way he has over the last year defended his actions by saying, like, essentially, I'm going to be me. I think that's really the only difference is that he he's overdoing it. He's overcompensating because the team isn't who they who they were. And maybe that is part of the sort of mental health reconciliation, if you will, is this like acceptance, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the warriors are in a really weird slash bad place right now. And maybe there's this like grieving process that's taking place. That's really what I think is happening. Yeah. I think it can definitely be tied to, um the warriors not doing well right you know i think the brand of the warriors is that they you know steph's this like perfect revolutionary player and you know clay's a perfect sidekick and you know you have your classic enforcer draymond but you know if he's if you know if they're not winning uh you know him kicking stephen adams and lebron in the nuts you know it's less acceptable uh, and yeah, the Jordan Poole punch, right? You know, like I, like right after this happened, um, 
people were talking about how he was tweeting in the locker room, um, basically like saying like you know count the rings and like this is who I am kind of thing. And he was so he was in the locker room in the fourth quarter, kind of bragging about punching Nurkic. And then I looked through some of his tweets, like, you know, he's taking digs at Jordan Poole. Um, he said there's just like there was some sort of like wait, when when were these it. when were these tweets? Sorry. Uh these have been throughout the year. Okay. So uh yeah, he made fun of Jordan Poole um earlier, like a couple months ago. Uh in December, he made fun of uh Rudy Gobert. Uh there was like a French baguette thing and a picture of him like uh, having him in the chokehold. So, I mean, oh I think God. to me, it's largely been encouraged, which is why I sort of say for people like Kevin Durant or anyone that's saying, you know, kind of piggybacking off your point, anyone that's sort of saying like, now this, this is too much. It's not genuine to me. Like this is who he has been. I think it's okay to admit that like as viewers and as NBA fans or NBA analysts, we all enjoyed the brand and that brand is expiring. Um, he's yeah. Like five games for putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold is ridiculous. Um, like and I also think that more? so much more, like if you think about the level of violence that is um, versus other sort of suspensions that have happened recently and in like NBA history, like it's a really, really small, it's, it's a ridiculously small, um, like that's a dangerous thing to do. Like putting yeah, someone in a chokehold, like, like, you know, something can go wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think now they, and now we're seeing the NBA kind of like overcompensate. So the, I was looking into it and the only other indefinite, um suspension in NBA history is Gilbert Arenas. Right. Uh for when he brought guns in the locker room uh with Javaris Crittenden. And you know, that to me, there's some funny similarities there in that like Gilbert was someone who was like, we loved his antics until all of a sudden we didn't. And it expired. And the NBA was like, you you know what? We're actually done with you. And I think we're seeing that with Draymond, like, you know, the, the Warriors aren't at the top of the mountain anymore. So these antics, they're, they're kind of like, show, like, you know, he's showing himself for what he is, which is a poor sport and like someone yeah. who can't control his aggression. And yes. I mean, I think like, I don't feel sorry for Draymond at all, but I, I do take exception to folks taking the high road with this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you made a lot of great points there. And I think a lot of this, like, sort of indefinite and then slash mental health spin is in part because the people who are making these decisions actually, like, really love and care and have a relationship with Draymond Green, right? So you talk about, like, Joe Dumars, right, who has been, you know, referred to as a mentor to Draymond Green. And then Andre Gudala is part of the players union, right? Like, isn't he like the head of the players union or something? I just learned that today. I didn't realize that before. It was Chris Paul, but yeah. I, I well, even if it is Chris Paul, that's his teammate, but Andre Gudala is a part of that now. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't, yeah, I apologize for not having his official title on hand, but you know, these are guys who like really know him 
And I think on one hand, it's very telling that like these, you know, you know, you could call them friends of his are giving him this harsh sentence. Um, but at the same time, they're doing it in like the most loving way possible. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's fair. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, you know, I, when we look at John Morant, right. And I don't think these two, they're not the same, but just from like a suspension perspective, you know, he got suspended indefinitely. He got that mental health sort of treatment the first time, you know, they saw him with guns and they tried to give him that. And then it happened a second time. And then it was the, the narrative around that was like, well, now you're just embarrassing us. Yes. That's right? key. And, you nailed and, it there. And then now it's like Draymond Green got went from this like suspension that was like, you know, after the Rudy Gobert incident, arguably light to now the mental health spin one. And I think if something if something were to happen again, they would have to do the well, now you're just embarrassing us thing. Right? Yeah, no, I I think you you really nailed it, and to me it, it speaks to the inconsistency of some of the punishments that have that have happened. And you know, it, it's good you it's good you brought up Jaw because I think that the the Jaw thing was, um, you know, a string of events, and ultimately, what's sort of outweighed by the like you know, I think the. Uh, the marketing of the NBA outweighs the individual action, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. why if you look at different suspensions, thousand like, percent, you know, why does this, this, and why is this, that? And it's like, Oh, Oh, Adam silver told jaw not to do something. And then he did it. So it's like, we're in like, you know, you heard lots of commentators, you need to teach them a lesson, you know? And there's this sort of like infantilizing, um, narrative right which which has all sorts of problematic connotations where it's like you need to teach this guy a lesson and i think we're getting there with draymond but in draymond's situation he's been allowed to do it for such a long time Mm. that it's it's weird because it's sort of like it's not early on in his career you know it's like way late he's at the he's at the twilight of his career so Mm -hmm. you know he has a podcast where he'll he'll brag about stuff like this. So, you know, I think really the NBA is kind of in this tricky place with this. Yeah, I also, I should say, though, 33 it, years old, and I always feel like he's so much older. He's going to be yeah, 34, uh, like, you know, before the season ends. I And I should say, I'm being like, uh, I feel, feel like I'm being really serious, but I do find it funny. I do. I mean, like, I'm, I'm glad Nurkic is okay, but like, I do find, like, I do find antics and really sort of. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever. I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I, I, I. It's it's hilarious. It's fun to be on Twitter when it happens, and um, I don't know. It's it's entertainment, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we are entertained. We're talking about it. I mean, it's been talked about, you know, for the last two days. I mean, it is super interesting because it's also like really unprecedented, right? Like for a player to have this many transgressions and then for the league to kind of be like, what other choice do we have at this point? 
Um, and also too, like public pressure for the league to do something greater has happened more this year than in years past. I feel like, I feel like that has definitely been a shift as well. Yeah, I, I agree. There has been more public pressure. There has been more, you know, sort of calling out, um, you know, I, I, I know people don't like to uh, speak about him, uh, but you know, with bridges, I thought it was, uh, it was interesting and new that when Adam Silver was on TNT, Charles Barkley like went at him. Yeah. Um, and whether that was rehearsed or not, I still think that it was, it was interesting to see that be brought in the conversation. Um, and I think a vocalization of fans being like, this is like, this is an unacceptable, like what's happening and the allowance of this is, is completely unacceptable. And mm -hmm. like, we don't have an appetite for it, like, nor should we. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about like how, like the NBA and how like it, it gives out punishment sort of based on like its reputation and not any other morality. And it's sad that something like, you know, what Miles Bridges has done wouldn't hurt the league more. And I think that just says more about, you know, us as a society as a whole. Yeah, that, that yeah. wouldn't have bigger consequences be and that the league isn't forced or pressured to give that bigger consequences. Yeah. I remember looking No, we don't have it on video. That's what people will say. We don't have it on video. Yeah. That's, that's, that's also a sign of the times. For sure. For sure. And you know, like the, the fact that, it, that, that his suspension was, was less than um, jaws was always sort of like a despicable thing to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's being on camera is a key point and marketing and, um, yeah, the professional leagues doling out punishment has always been this kind of precarious thing to me. Yeah. I, I don't know who, I think the thing that I'm really curious to see now, just bringing this back to Draymond is who is Draymond going to be when he comes back from this or who is he going to try and be? When he comes back from this, because we've seen him double down on his persona, right? For so long, it's hard to imagine him being someone else. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's hard. And, and I know you think, like, he's not going to be someone else and he's just going to do the same things again. But, I mean, God, he could be out of the league if he does something again. Don't you think? Like, it, it could be <laughs> yeah, that bad. yeah. Like, oh it's, my God. Uh, people get tired of you, you know? Um, I think when when you when you cross a line too many times, it yeah, there's just a fatigue, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, like I do love the Warriors. I mean, obviously, this is like a Raptors podcast and we're Raptors fans first, but I've always loved the Warriors, and I feel like this season has been such a car crash, like. At, like almost everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for this team, except, you know, for the fact that like Steph Curry has been healthy and wonderful, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything has gone wrong for this team. And, you know, people talk, you know, like are the warriors over are the warriors over and stuff like that. And it's like, they don't win without Draymond. They don't win. They have a losing record when he's out and he has already missed half the games 
this season between injuries and I think he had like a personal day and then suspensions. He's already missed half the games this season, and now he's going to miss at least half the season total. And, you know, you have to imagine this goes into 2024 and then and then some. I mean, I just don't know how this team recovers. Like, even if, like, Clay finds his shot again, let's say even if Andrew Wiggins, like, finds his stride, which people have not talked enough about Andrew Wiggins' decline. Like, it is really atrocious. It's worse than Clay. Everyone's talking about Clay, and I, I have called Clay my NBA husband, so I know I'm very biased for Clay. But, like, Andrew Wiggins' numbers are so bad. That to me, I'm like, not only does he should he not be in a starting lineup in the NBA, he should like his numbers this last week would bring take him out of the league. He has had as many turnovers as points two games in a row. Yikes! Yeah, like it's really bad. bad. I think no, I might be slightly exaggerating. He had eight points and like three to four turnovers last game. And I mean, then, the, and then the previous game, he had six points and six turnovers. Wow! Like Maple people Jordan. are not talking enough about how much Andrew Wiggins is struggling. Like this, like at least with Clay Thompson, it's like you know he's come back from two really bad injuries. He's getting older. Like his decline makes sense. Andrew Wiggins' decline makes zero sense. Yeah, his decline doesn't make any sense to me. Like I. You know, I think players go through funks and, you know, sometimes there's fit stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I I can't imagine that he's kind of just, you know, like past the point of no return. But um, when it comes to the Warriors, you know, I'm, I'm many, many people have said this, but I feel like, you know, Steph's not like LeBron level, but I have this this kind of like viewer respect. Like, yeah, I know it is a Raptors podcast. Uh, I don't love the Warriors. I respect the Warriors. And for me, if Steph is healthy, I cannot count them out. Yeah. Like, like Steph, Steph is one of those players I have to see lose. Like he has to be like, okay, the, you know, the Warriors have lost four games and they're out of the playoffs and the season's over. And then, then and only then am I like, oh, okay, like no chance. Uh, it's the same with LeBron for me where it's like when LeBron is like straight up, like his season is mathematically ended. Then I'm like, Oh, okay. He can't do it. But to me, as soon like, you know, because of Steph, I think that, I mean, it's been bad, but I don't know. I feel like I'm not, I'm not ready to say that the Warriors are like done because uh, because things are bad in the beginning part of the season, and not, not sorry, I shouldn't say the beginning. We're almost at thirty games, uh, or twenty-five games. So uh, you know, it's a significant chunk, and and you know, like the idea of them being like, let's say, like a top, you know, getting having home court, like that's probably already done. Uh, yeah, I so, don't believe they're currently in the plan right now. Yeah, I think they're like twelfth or thirteenth or something like that. Let me quickly look it up. But, um, yeah, you know, they, it's, it's, it's not been great. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're currently 11th in the West. They're 11th. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will say this. I think this is going to be my big, my big take. Uh, you know, maybe the Warriors aren't done, quote unquote, but this season is done. That is my big take. I don't think they can recover from 
from all the things that have gone wrong for them this season. They might be able to recover enough to be in the play and they might be able to recover enough to be in the first round, but they're not going to be able to recover enough to make a significant run the way they wanted to at the beginning of this season. That much is done. I think for them to have championship aspirations again, they would have to find, you know, the sport when the Spurs had Kawhi Leonard, you know what I mean? Like they would need that fourth X factor player to rejuvenize this, you know, quote unquote, big three to make, to make it really happen. And I have no idea who that player would be. I don't think it's anyone currently on their roster. I mean, it'd be great if someone like Kaminga became that guy, but I'm not counting on that. You know what I mean? Like I was going to say, here we go. Kaminga, let's you go. You know, like Kaminga isn't going to save yeah. this team, but that's what, to me, like, that's what it would take. Uh, I don't think, you know, the, who they have right now will be enough, but I think this year could be a transitional year. And then based on maybe some trades or things like that, then they could be a whole other force next year. Cause you're right. Steph Curry is good enough. And I think clay, there is enough there for him to get at least his shooting percentages back up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he'll be mm -hmm. the player he was, but he could become a more efficient player with the right situation around him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for later in the podcast, but when it comes to the you know, trade deadline teams, I think that you have Steph on your roster uh, and you want as few as these, you know, as few as these transitional years as possible. Yeah. Like if you, if you can make something happen, you do. So they're definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I know we've gone on about them for a while, but they are huge in the NBA news right now. Um, I think, you know, there's been a lot of like trade clay rumors and I, and I know I'm biased for clay, so I don't want to see him leave that team, but I also feel like you wouldn't get value for him at this point right now. Like this would be a bad strategic trade. Like you are better off holding on to him at this point. You know what I mean? Like this, like his trade value has probably never been lower. And sometimes you don't trade people when their trade values are that low. Right. Yeah, I feel like I mean, people haven't know. been thinking about it strategically. I feel like it's just this like vocalized frustration. That's a great way to put it. And I think, I think when it comes to players that have been incredible and it seems like they're slowing down or there's like a fit issue, the emotional trade wants come in. Mm. And yeah, I don't really know what trading Draymond or Clay is really going to do for the Warriors. Like I think at this point, they're in this rare territory of players who are drafted by a franchise and should retire with that franchise. And, you know, it's not as if that they were like the grit and grind Grizzlies and like really good and couldn't get over the hump. Like the, mm -hmm, these are four time mm -hmm. champions and that is the core those three. So I think like as you know, even if there's an ugly part of the, uh, their last parts of their career, I feel like those aren't the pieces that are going to be moved. You know, you'd be, I, I, I'd more, I'd, I'd, I'd expect like a Chris Paul or, you know, Kaminga or 
Looney or Wiggins or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I think like certain packages that way to try and bring in someone who can make an impact. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, all right, let's move on and talk about Giannis and this game ball fiasco. So this was pretty wild scene. We're recording this on Thursday night. So this yeah. happened uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Giannis had like a 64 point game and he wanted the game ball, but the Pacers took it first because their rookie, let me get his name here. I had this in front of me. One second. It is, gets, it is Oscar, uh, to see, to see apologies if I'm mispronouncing that scored one single point, but it was his first NBA point. And they wanted him to have the game ball. And this threw Giannis into a tizzy. Can we use the word tizzy? I feel like this is a very appropriate use of the word tizzy. He yeah, was in perfect. a tizzy. He, he, he really lost his composure in a way we rarely see Giannis do. Uh, found some of the leaked audio, which was pretty great uh, on Twitter. Just, you know, give me the effing ball, blah, blah, blah. Very entitled to that basketball. Uh, he did get a ball at the at the end of the game, but then in his post-game presser, he said he is not convinced that this is actually the game ball and that this actually feels slightly different than how the game ball felt. And he remains unconvinced that he actually got the game ball back. Why does this mean so much to him? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's probably the most interesting question in all of this. That's what I was wondering he, the whole time. Like, why does this mean so much? Like, I mean, he's like viscerally mad about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, I don't have the perfect answer for that. And I think, you know, the, the quick, the quick take sort of is, is, you know, you see folks like laughing about it and, um, you know, grown men chasing a basketball and sort of like the, you know, these guys are foolish and all that kind of stuff. And that's good. That's true. But I think that why is he this mad? What, you know, what is deep down in him? He's like, I'm just very rattled? sentimental. I'm very well, sentimental. I mean, listen, uh, obviously we're not going to like, we're, we're, we're not therapists. We're not going to psychoanalyze here, but we are going to have a little bit of do, doing that and have some fun. I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a disrespect element here, right? You know, we've seen a lot of that this year with like, don't run up to score. Um, you know, we've seen it before with, you know, don't take shots late in the game and like all this sort of basketball code stuff. And Giannis is, He's different than the average NBA player in that, like, he carries himself, um, you know, with sort of like a like he's he's this ferocious like shack like guy, but he's also very gentle and he has these viral moments where he's talking about you know dipping Oreos in milk, and you know he orders like a fifty piece of nuggets while he's like giggling after his uh, you know after he won the championship, and. Yeah, like I think this reminds me, like it was last year, right? We we saw the thing where he was practicing his free throws, where he threw the ladder. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. That was in Philly, and it, it was like this moment where it's like, oh whoa, 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 Giannis, like like nice guy, Giannis. 
like we, we see the way he dunks. We see how aggressive he plays. So we know that's there. But then, you know, cameras are on and game's over. And he has this very kind of delicate composure. So, yeah, I think to me it's sort of like there's like there's kind of like there's these unwritten rules he has and that a lot of players have. And I think he had a career game. And the Pacers decided to like openly disrespect that. And in his view. In his view, right? Because you know, I think it's also very valid that, you know, from a code perspective, uh, that this 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 guy scored his first point. Um, but you know, if you're a pacer and you're being honest, I think you would say this player scored his first NBA bucket. That's nice. But a guy dropped 64 points. Like anything over 60 is like history book stuff. So he's going to want the game ball. Like we're, we're Raptors fans. We've seen Kyle Lowry who like just aggressively collect the game ball, you know, as a thing. Right. So I think a lot of basketball fans understand the significance and so I don't think it's wild that Giannis wanted this, but all the sort of chasing around and going to the Pacers locker room, like the Pacers enjoyed this. This was, this was, there was some pettiness there. They did enjoy the Pacers, it. I think they, 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 there was some glee in how angry they made. Yeah. Him. Like they thought it was funny that he was so upset. It is. Yeah. It, it is like, funny if, that he was so upset. If, if I'm a Pacer and I'm on the bus, I'm, I'm like taking pictures with the ball. I'm like, <laughs> I'm absolutely, you know, it's like, it's like that. What's that thing where that gnome like traveled the world or whatever? Like this ball <laughs> is basically like, is becoming a bit now. Uh, and and yeah, this, so to, this to me, I'm glad no one got hurt. This is honest fun. You know, th this is, this is why I, it's one of the reasons I like the NBA. This is just you, silly. Do you write, do you write? 64 on the ball or like 64 plus one or something like yeah or, or no one or like, and then greater than 64 <laughs> yeah um or you know not your ball maybe you could not your uh, ball. dress it up and dress it up in a bucks jersey There's a lot of options get a little bucks onesie <laughs> oh my god fear the deer fear the um, deer oh my god yeah, I agree. I think they're having a lot of fun with it. And, you know, hopefully they see each other in the playoffs. Right? Yeah, this is great. This is great. Yeah, we need this now. We didn't know we needed this, and now we know we need this. This is like a Midwest duke it out situation now. And also, like, let's let's not forget, um, you know, the Pacers have had this incredible, you know, best offense in history rise this emergence of Halliburton um and and they beat the Bucks and they beat the Celtics like in in you know pretty mm -hmm. dramatic fashion mm -hmm. so the Bucks are like hey we're, we're gonna kick the shit out of you and the Pacers are like well we're sore losers right and I think like I like it like if, if I'm a Pacers fan I'm like my team so now has... you like being a sore loser now you like being a sore loser there's no violence if it's if it's just pettiness i'm in i'm in um if yes. you're like if you're 
if you're pretending to break free of someone and like swinging around and punching them in the head, I mean, there's got to be limits to it, you know? <laughs> I actually don't believe he meant to hit him in the head. That's the funniest part. I actually believe he didn't mean to hit him in the head. I, I I can't even tell. I think like to me it's one of those because it's such a I weird can't... motion. It's such you know, a it, weird motion that I actually believe re... that to be true, but it's just too ridiculous at this point. Well, I think like okay, you know, like it happens in basketball sometimes where there's like there's something that's like there, there's an aggressive motion and then it's like it's tailed back just at the last minute and to me, this is like a weird comp, but I remember feeling that way when, when OG flipped Dennis Schroeder, mm. like there was this element of sort of like, he kind of caught him from falling, but then he wouldn't let go. And then he was like lifting him, but like, it's not as if OG like picked him up and like with all his might slammed him. It's sort of like, it was like a half measure. And I think that we saw that kind of with with Draymond, where, and and which is which is why I think there's a plausible deniability where it's like I was just trying to break free. It's like yeah, but you spun around. Yeah, no, like, I mean the fact that like literally, you know what I mean. It was weird. like every yeah. player that's also a broadcaster now is like yeah, no, like that was a TNT game, <laughs> and there was like Vince Carter was there, and like Grant Hill was there, and uh, and Jamal Crawford was there. And they were basically like, yeah, like there are so many other ways to show a call or to exaggerate to get a call that they Which were dream like, on that no. they weren't they weren't buying it either, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Sorry. Um I almost knocked my water bottle off. Uh, this for, has the, been a for the YouTube audience. <laughs> YouTube audience, this has been a drama-filled podcast. Uh you're 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 getting just all sorts of like outside of basketball commentary so i hope you like it <laughs> um all right you know what we were gonna do like some trade talk i mean are you okay to go long like how how are we doing yeah here? yeah let's do it all right so outside of the raptors because we know the raptors are going to be pretty front and center in all these trade rumors now that uh trade season's officially open um what team in the nba do you think is going to make a move a big move. Yeah, this is tough. Like I, I, I don't have the, I don't have the, um, an eye on a like a disgruntled star right now. Mm. I think there's already been some pretty significant moves, like in the off season, with Dame, with Beal. Like these are two shoes. Yeah, that, and the Clippers. Yeah, and the Clippers exactly. Yeah, exactly. Harden. Um, so obviously the Raptors, but. Um, I I sort of think it's going to be a team that is is good but not great making an aggressive move like would I be totally surprised if the Knicks made a move? No. Like I think yeah. if you look at the Knicks it's like hey it's been a long time since New York has had a respectable team. Brunson's awesome, Randall's good. You know, they have other good players obviously uh grimes you know uh, i actually think the knicks are more likely to make a move for zach levine 
Yeah, well, that, that's what I mean. Oh, sorry, Levine is a guy who's sort of announced. His yeah, or even Demar Derozan. Oh. Like, I just feel like I feel like the Knicks yes. are vultures, yes. you know, flying around the Bulls right now. Yeah, and, and I think the Knicks are probably looking at the Sixers and the Bucks and the and the Celtics and saying, "Let's be real, we can't beat these teams." Like, you know, we had a nice win against Cleveland last year um but we're, we're sort of around that level and then you know other teams that are uh like i i would actually like to see a team that is a surprise like a magic like a like a timberwolves like a um pacers make an aggressive move but i think those teams are sort of just happy that it's happening mm-hmm. not really going to be too aggressive mm-hmm. uh yeah, so I think I think the Knicks to me are a team that wants to make a move. Um, you know, Miami's going to want to be in the mix, right? If Miami can make something happen, that's true. Uh, they want to push Jimmy's timeline for sure. And also, you know, uh, yeah, the Hawks, right? The Hawks are 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 like, I think the Hawks, Bulls, Raptors are all in this territory. They're all in the same space. I agree. Yeah. And, um, and then in the West, maybe the Kings, like the Kings had that, like, light the beam Cinderella year. And now things have sort of settled and the league knows who they are and they've adjusted pretty well. And, you know, the Kings are not. Yeah. I think think the Kings, they'll probably, I feel like they're more likely to make moves in the off season and that they'll give this whole year a solid run you know who i think could actually be legit traded that no one's really talking about is i i think that i think the bucks could trade chris middleton i think the bucks even though they have a solid record see themselves as struggling and their defense has taken a real hit after trading drew holiday we all know this and i feel like you know chris middleton isn't who he used to be and even though they won a championship with them. I mean, they won a championship with Drew Holiday. Like they see themselves as a big one in Giannis, right? And mm-hmm. and nobody else. I mean, I guess Dame as well now. Like no one else is untouchable on that team. And I feel like they could make. A, I feel like they could make a move because they want to win now. They want to be at the top of the East. They want to separate themselves from Boston, from Philly. And I feel like that's that's a team that could that we could be surprised by come the trade deadline. Yeah. I heard, I heard talk about, uh, you know, and I'm just looking at the bucks record there. They've, they sort of rebounded to, to 17 and seven. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I have Middleton in, uh, in fantasy and he's, he's slowly got, he's gotten better. I have the worst um, fantasy team of all time. Just going to say that. Really? Yeah. I love it. Uh, I should, well, I, I don't want to interrupt. So. I interrupted your point. I'm sorry. I am sorry. No, it's okay. Mate. Maybe your team is uh, good at defense, which isn't reflected in fantasy. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm please keep going. Nice. You have Chris Middleton on your fantasy team, and oh yeah, I just you know I think he sort of falls into that clay territory, like you were talking about, where his trade value is so low um, that who is taking him on as a project right now? Like, what's the like if you're the team? I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm sure the Bucks would like to trade Chris Middleton for someone 
who is like the old Chris Milton, <laughs> but like, uh-huh. I, I don't know. No, you know um, who I think they could go for? Like, I don't know. I don't have the right player in my mind, but I have a type of player, right? So like, like a, like a, like a Marcus smart type player or like an OG and an OB type, not suggesting that we would trade OG and an OB for him, but I just mean like, like someone who is primarily known for defense. They need a defense yeah. guy. They need like they need a flexible person, right? Small forward, power forward, like flexible. That like when you know when Kawhi is in town, he's getting guard Kawhi type thing. That's who I feel like they're missing. I don't know who that is yeah. for them, but I feel like that's the type of player they could go for. Yeah, what well, I wonder who. Uh, 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 the, I have a couple here because I think there's there's some interesting teams. You know, I put the Thunder in the category of like, yeah, they have so many assets, but they're doing so well that they're going to see what happens. Oh, true. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the Pelicans, to me, right? They they've had like so many good players for a long time. They can't really rely on health. Obviously, they have a lot of different types of contracts. A lot of young guys who could probably do good with more time on the court. And you know their records fourteen and eleven, and so I think they're they're a team that that might want to reconfigure a little bit, right? Like I don't know if that's McCollum, um, maybe it's McCollum for for Middleton, you know? Oh, true, um, interesting. Or you know, and and then and then the other team that I feel like is just I'm waiting for Brogdon to get traded as a player because I mm. think that Portland's going to keep spinning that asset. Like they, yeah, he'll definitely. Yeah, that's a great point. I could absolutely like, see him traded. Portland is like he probably is like just sort of being you know a professional veteran, and I think Portland is like, listen, we're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA this year. We have Sharp, um, we have Scoot, who's had a rough start to his career, but we obviously still believe in, um, and then we have uh, uh, you know a decent center. Um, in uh oh god why am i blanking his name deandre ayton ayton um yeah you know so i think i think portland is going to look to probably bottom out more and see what they can get for Brogdon. maybe Uh maybe they can hit up a desperate team like the raptors or the hawks or Mm, the hawks are assault they, they they are the desperate team um all right let's move on to our raptors homer moment here just for for time interests i'm sure our our listeners are you know very anxious to hear us talk about this team and what direction are we going in and like oh my god like we won against the hawks are we saved now have we figured it out I mean, I sent you an article that is literally called What is Going On with the Raptors. I mean, it's like kind of sums up the whole season. Like that that headline really made me laugh. But Freddie, you're a solid homer. Okay. You're a homer. You're you're a you're a believer. Where where are we at? Where are we at? Well, two things. Um uh I feel like you almost could have just stopped it at our listeners are anxious. (laughs) <laughs> and then that been the entire question uh, or, or sentiment. And yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this when you, when you sent me the questions earlier and I've, I've seen a lot of iterations of the Raptors and, you know, yeah, I have been, I wasn't always a believer in Messiah. Um, I, I, I really 
you know, I, I remember being frustrated at the Damari Carroll acquisition and sort of not seeing what was happening uh, in the lead up to uh, the Raptors being like this perennially good team and eventually winning a championship. And then, you know, after we won the championship and during that season, sort of seeing all the moves for what they were and like the kind of slow tinkering and building. And I think like, yeah, so so the, the point I'll say is I'm optimistic. I, I, I definitely still believe in Masai, but I also can't talk any fans off the ledge. Like people who are upset, it makes sense. Like you've been watching this team for, you know, two plus years, struggle to be, you know, more than two games above 500. It is painful. It is not working. Right. And, you know, you can't be delusional about that. Uh, where I think I probably split with a lot of Raptors fans is this idea that we're directionless. I think there is a direction. Uh, I think I've always sort of seen the vision of these the, the big wings. Like I think that when I look at Scotty OG and DeRo- uh, and, DeRozan, uh, and Pascal, it makes sense to me. I think that uh, that is a winning idea. I think that has not been accented properly. And there's been sort of loss after loss after loss and things haven't worked. Um, and it's a lot of like little losses and those losses have added up and there's kind of this feeding frenzy around the team, which, which does like, you can't insulate the team from the greater like public, you know, people don't believe in this team. And then I think after a little while, the Darko stuff, you know, it wears off and this team doesn't believe in themselves. So yeah, that Hawks win was nice. We hit a bunch of threes, but this team's calling card is supposed to be this defense. And it's not like we're like locking people up or shutting people down. We're, we're in an era of offense and we've tried to build this, build this defensive uh, non-shooting team. Right. So, and like, I think I had fun watching that game. I've, it's been cool to watch our big three be good for a couple of games in a row. I think Darko's going to get better. I think there's a lot of good things that are happening, but none, none of those things are connected. And this team lacks an identity. And I, it's just sort of, can they gain an identity? Can they gain momentum? Sure. But uh, will they? I don't, like, we haven't been given enough of a reason to believe that they will. So um, that was long, but yeah. no, no, no. You made a lot of interesting points there. Um, so yeah, you're you're essentially a six foot nine vision believer, like you. But I and, and I and I haven't been. This is something I that am, we yeah. that we differ on. I so even okay, you know, with all this evidence and all the things like you said haven't necessarily connected what what makes you continue to be a believer in that vision well i think scotty's the main reason so you know just put aside that scotty's made this preposterous three point offensive leap which even scotty stands can't honestly put up their hand and say that they were expecting um so that's just like this great amazing thing that we can put to the side for a second 
when I thought about Vision 6.9 and, you know, what might work about it, a very, like a key part of it is you don't spend too much money on a center. There's Embiid, there's Jokic, there's a couple other incredible centers. Other than that, they're like service, they're like sort of utility players in the NBA. And when Scotty plays center, our, we can create lineups on this current team even that are really, really tough to play against. Um, and I think in that, you know, and, and, and play center, Scotty can sort of like play point guard and center at the same time. Like he's, he obviously, you know, it's like he's positionless, but I mean, particularly on defense, when he's down there in the block, he is like, I, I think like I, I I've always felt like his super ability, his super skill as an NBA player is his strength. He's just absolutely one of the strongest players period in the NBA. Like there are stronger players, but Scotty is just a ridiculously strong player. And when he's down there in the block, like his help D it, it all sort of centers around that. And like, as far as like my optimism, so will Darko find the winning lineups? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, nothing has really made me think that he will, but when it comes to like the vision of this roster, I see it. And then I'll, I'll just add one other thing. All the contract stuff does matter. So it might be a scenario. And Masai even said this, you know, when he was talking about vision six, nine, like, like he said it, like, you know, it hasn't worked yet. And I'll add to that. That doesn't mean it's going to work ever, but I don't think that necessarily that means it was a bad idea. And I think that to me is sort of where I'm like, I'm really sort of splitting, you know, like nitpicking here uh, because it's a bad situation, period. No, I really like, I actually really appreciate your perspective, even though I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but, but I like it. You know what I mean? Like, I like that you see the vision for this team where, okay. Where I do agree with you in that I do believe this was worth trying. Like, that's where I'm like, I'll never be a Maasai hater. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. because I feel like even though these last couple of years haven't necessarily gone the way we had hoped, you know, retooling around the players we had made sense. It's only in hindsight that we are like, oh, we should have. I mean, some people are saying we should have blown it up and they've been saying that for a while and they enjoy mm -hmm. hanging their hat on that. But I feel like, you know, it, it was worth trying to build around the players we had. They are, they are good enough that it was worth it. And so even if, you know, we end up, you know, losing Siakam and OG in the off season or whatever happens, this was worth trying that I'm with you on this. I will always see that as true, but I don't feel like this iteration of the roster is going to prosper well past the 500 mark i totally agree with you and 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 i think uh as well you know two, two things so losing og and siakam for nothing is not losing fred for nothing uh losing fred for nothing was a miscalculation it sucks losing og and siakam for nothing is inexcusable 
So like there's like that's a more devastating done, loss is what you're saying. Just devastating in, in so many ways. Their value, like like a player like that walking and you know, not getting anything in return. And to me, it's not even like it's like, here we go again. It's sort of like, no, no, this is a completely different situation because these players are on a on a different value level and significance level. And you know. I think that that to me will, you know, I can't think of something. I can't think of a bigger Messiah mistake. Like if you sort of go through his mistakes and his like his gambles or his being too patient and missing out on op- opportunities. Right. Um, and those I find are hard to calculate because most of those are, are rumors. Right. Uh-huh. It's like, could he have traded for Maxi? Sure. Was Maxi actually on the table? I don't know. Um, could he have traded OG for three picks? Um, sure. Was that yeah, actually there was on the, the table? Mitchell I don't rumor. know. Obviously a whole summer of Kevin right? rumors. Yeah. Damian Lillard. Like, so it's yep. sort of, it's like, oh, they're, the Raptors are in the mix for this and they're in the mix for that. It's like, that all sounds interesting and let's talk about it. But I, I, as a fan, as an analyst, like I can't actually say this happened or this didn't happen. So anyways, just to say, if those two walk, if one of them walks and you, and that's just the end of that story, then that's like a really, it's not, it's not a big blow to Masai. It is like a, just like. That would like, be his biggest, his most egregious. That, that could be like, in some ways, the end of Masai. Like it's wow. so big. It could carry a lot of consequence and, and would be like, oh. I think just bad period end of story there's no there isn't a spin on it even if you're like even if you believe in the side there isn't a positive spin on on that outcome i don't think um yeah so you don't want to you definitely don't want to see them traded you want to see them both here i would love to see them both here i would love to see them both uh extended there's been rumors of a siakam extension uh, rumors, right? Yeah. Um, but there's been, and, and I'd love to see it. Like, I think that would, I think Scotty and uh, Pascal play great together. I think they're like a fantastic fit. Um, and I also feel like they can win together. Um, now, and, and same with OG, but I, but I don't think that that necessarily includes like Pirtle in the starting lineup. Or it definitely doesn't, you know, Schroeder's like our mid-level exception summer guy, right? So that's not that's not what's going to work for the Raptors. So what, like, it's an unfinished roster. And, you know, you, you were talking about, like, building. I think a big part, you know, this is a projection in the future, but I think when people view the post-championship era, if if Masai is still here and we we, you know, end up building a winner around Scotty big ifs. I think people will see this era as, as a choice Masai made to not build around Siakam and right. to use Siakam as a transitional star. Like he was, Siakam's amazing. I love Siakam. And, but I think Masai sort of decided like, I'm not going to build around you. I'm not going to give you shooters. Like, I'm going to. Well, I think people could see this era as that, you know, regardless. Totally, and 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 I, I you know, I think that 
he doesn't believe in Siakam that way, which is fair, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. But also I feel like because Siakam became an all-star, people have expectations of him that I feel aren't always fair. Like, I feel like people forget how much he overachieved. You know what I mean? Like people just forget that he overachieved and then they're, and then they just keep raising the bar for him. And then it's like, you get to a point where it's like, that's not, not only is that not fair, that's just not realistic. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there's just a lot of like people who just don't accept Siakam for the player he is and that the player he became is actually very, very good. Especially considering where he started. Yeah, that's a that's a true statement of so many of the NBA's players, right? Like we, I mm-hmm. think we have this linear idea of players where it's sort of like, okay, great, so they get better every single year. End of story. And it's like I I don't think that's the that's the truth, right? There's so many players that have down years, have down months, um, and you know don't mesh well, aren't at a stage where they can kind of like have a ton of chemistry with a particular player, whatever, it, whatever it may be. Right. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's kind of the reality of the NBA is that like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknown that we can't predict, even though, you know, analytics are so much further than they, they've come so far. Uh, we still can't say this player is going to have a breakout year or this player is going to have a down year. We can make an educated guess, but there's just so much other stuff going on. Of course. Um, I also want to talk about the Raptors' leadership because, you know, Siaka made a statement about how the team needs to be more vocal, more louder. They need to be giving more than they're giving. And to me, I really appreciated the statement because one thing I said on this show at the beginning of the season was who is the vocal leader on this team or who is the leader period on this team? You know, you talk about like, you know, lacking an identity and stuff. And it's like, that's a huge part of it. And I agree with you. We're kind of in this, you know, Siakam to Scotty transitional era um, that is yet to be, you know, clearly defined. I think that's fair to say, but also too, it's like every locker room, you know, we, of course we were somewhat spoiled when we had this with Kyle, right. It's like your best player doesn't necessarily need to be your vocal leader. And that I feel this team is missing. And I think Siakam, who is very, you know, typically uh, on the quieter side, more of a lead by example type player um, is being vocal because he's seeing that that need is, is lacking or that it's not being met. And uh, I'm curious, like, do you feel like, you know, do you, first of all, do you agree with that statement? And then do you feel like somebody like Scotty or someone else on the team needs to embrace that this, that this need is there and then try to fill it? Yeah, I think, you know, this is, this is really, this is really cool to me. Like, I feel like this is like the juice of a team and Pascal is an incredible player and he, you know, how wise of him and honest to say that, yeah, we have a lot of quiet guys on the team. And uh, it's true, right? You know, you look at, uh, besides him, you know, screaming like, and one. Which, which is, is all cool. he screams. He doesn't scream and anything one. else. <laughs> we learned that in the um, bubble. He only screams and one. 
even when there's clearly no foul around him. He could be alone. Hey, hey, he also goes, or yo, he says yo. (laughs) Um, But he does. and It's like a string doll. And then like he has. (laughs) Yeah, just got a couple of sayings. Uh, OG, right? Um, And I think there's been a leadership void since Kyle. Uh, I think that with you know, nurse and and Fred had this kind of like leadership connection, but it was sort of like nurse had this kind of like authoritarian rule. Um, and that was kind of like, it, 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 it became spent by the end and it's Scotty's team. And to me, it's that like, it's not like Siakam is saying, like be louder, Scotty. Like Scotty's a big presence, but I almost yeah. And he feel didn't like say that... Scotty; he just said we. Like he wasn't, yeah. Just to, to be right, clear. yeah, 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 totally, totally. But it's almost like we're waiting for this moment where, you know, the like like the Raptors are in the locker room and they're getting ready to like you know come out and do the warm ups or whatever, and Scotty's like, "Hey, come here, Pascal," and. He just like grabs Pascal by the shoulders and he's he's just kind of like they're calling my name last. Like mm-hmm. like I'm last now. Like and it's my team. And I think we can do this together. I think you actually want this. And I'm an alpha. I got drafted fourth overall. I'm just the biggest personality in the room. Um we can win together, but it's my team. And I think, I think Scotty is that guy. I think he can do that. And, you know, it's funny. So much of the Scotty conversation is always like, this player's holding him back. That player's holding him back. He needs this player. He needs that player. And I feel like people are sort of missing the essence of Scotty, which is like, he is someone like, he's just going to take it. It's just, it's not about other people. Like he's going to take the shot. He's going to make the play and he's going to dominate. Like he's that type. He has it. He's one of those players, one of those rare players who is, yeah, it's sure, you know, there's ways to maximize him, you know, in terms of spacing and all that kind of stuff. And that's important. But I think from a personality standpoint, there's going to be a time where, you know, in the future where Darko's drawing up a play. And, you know, the camera's in the huddle and Scotty grabs the clipboard. And we're seeing it a little bit on the court where he's starting to tell players, he's like, he like you know, uh, the other game he moved, he moved uh, Dennis. He was like, go, right? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, when I was talking about kind of like the fit of this team and him being the center, there's a big difference between when he's at the front guarding a guy like Darius Garland and getting blown by and when he's at the back. Because when he's at the back, he can be like Marc Gasol. And he can say, this is happening, that's happening. You go there, you do this. And, you know, I think the future of Scotty is him kind of ordering everybody around. And, I, you know, the sooner that happens, the better. Directing traffic, as some like to say. Directing traffic. It's probably a nicer way to say than ordering everybody around. But... No, 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 no. He's Scotty the Dictator Barnes. I get it. Yeah. That's who you want. I mean, <laughs> that is what I want. I'm not going to lie. Like, he, he always got compared to 
uh, you know, or like, or not always, but like people compare him to Magic Johnson. And I think that, you know, it, that's fun to me because, you know, even early in his career, Magic Johnson uh, came out and said, like, this is the player that reminds me the most of me, which is a really wild thing uh, no, to no. say about Scotty Barnes and for Magic Johnson to say, like, it's not like he says it all the time. And he has that kind of swagger where he's like, oh, I'm like this like likable, funny guy, but I'm actually just like hyper competitive in a way that is vicious. Mm-hmm. And, and we see it with Scotty and I think we're just going to see it more and more. I love it. Um, Freddie, let's move on to our hottie highlight of the week for which I don't really have one. I try. I need you. I need everyone to know how much I try to find these hottie highlights every week. But I just feel like, you know, when I guess, you know, when we're not winning as many games, you know, we're not being as cute. We're not having these like scarf moments and like all this Mm -hmm. stuff. So for me, the hottie highlight is just that we beat the Hawks. Sad. It's a sad hottie highlight. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have, um, do you have one? I mean, like, like even like the shaving commercials, it's always the same. It's like this one hand, this one hand yeah. gesture. Do you? Okay. Let me ask you as a fan and as a man who, who shaves their face, have you ever seen this gesture and then, uh, and then thought I need that. I need that razor. Or have you ever seen uh, a raptor? I've... Has a raptor ever influenced? This is a really good question. Has a raptor ever influenced you to buy a product? Um, no, uh, I gotta say, uh, I really thought you were going to say primo pasta sauce. I was really, <laughs> yeah, primo pasta and sauce. Um, anyway, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Nothing wrong with the shaving commercials. I'm just like, can we switch it up? I need something new. Even like there's one with like, with, with Scotty and, and Jack Armstrong and then the baby. And it's like, I can tell they're not in the same room. I just we could step up our commercial yeah. game, is what I'm saying. We definitely could. There's a there's a Grady Dick like Pascal McDonald's commercial. You know, it's not, it's 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 wanting. Uh, maybe maybe the hottie highlight is Darko uh, buying a, uh, a a guy in New York uh, free dinner because he's wearing a Raptors hat. Oh, I didn't know that. This guy loves buying people yeah. dinner, eh? I know exactly. Um, <laughs> by the way, but that's I'm gonna, the kind of stuff gonna, I need. You're, what, you're getting up, hot, you're moving. I'm getting yeah, up I because need... because I need my charger. Because okay. I'm in my baby's room and I, I didn't have my charger. And I'm like, listen, we're gonna get a tour of Freddie's house. We're, we're getting a mini tour here. We're getting this. This is this is rare stuff here. Okay. Now step. Step two is me not falling down the stairs. I think I've seen the upstairs of your house, actually. It's pretty cool. Um, here, here's my door. Um, <laughs> wow, more we the north stuff. More we the north stuff. I hear Caitlin. But that's that's Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. Caitlin, right Caitlin has no idea what's happening. <laughs> Um, but, uh, listen, this is how dedicated I am to the podcast, not just ending with, with me, with me freezing or, uh, 
running out of juice because well, it's I hottie did it, highlights. I did it. I, I'm going to have to consult you every week from now on for my hottie highlights because I did not know that that Darko bought someone dinner. Darko, we Darko dinner? That counts. I mean, last, I mean, he's been getting clowned for doing this whole if we get win three games in a row, I'll buy everyone dinner thing. He's been getting clowned for that. It's and that it's, was my hottie highlight last week. It's clown worthy. Darko dinners is is a Darko dark dinners is, is a whole thing now. Darko dinners is like a specific type of dinner now. Yeah, Darko dinners is like you're not in a good spot if it's sort of like you're like, hey guys, will you please win? I will buy you dinner. It's like these are a bunch of extremely wealthy men. Um, <laughs> they do not need their dinners purchased. Um, they also maybe don't even want to hang out with you. So there's that part. You, yeah. You offering to buy them dinners. That's that's yikes. Yeah. And I think they should want to win games. You know yeah, I mean? it felt like, like a, it you know? felt like a little dad stuff, you know? It felt it felt yeah. very dad to me. Yeah, his dad energy. I like it's it. Fair. I think it's fun. It's like you know, in the Simpsons when like Marge walks in with a punch and then she immediately walks out because she realizes like it's a bad time because she's not cool. Yes. Lives rent free right there. In your head? Correct. I feel like you, you pointed <laughs> in your eye when you said that. You're like, oh no, I bet I was I was not pointing in my free. eye. I lived rent free in my eye. <laughs> Lives rent free. Rent free in my eyeball. <laughs> I think it's just the angle of this microphone and everything that's like huge and off to the side. You I mean it's a nice mic? That's a hottie highlight. You and your mic. Thank you. I used to have this like um thing, this screen that's supposed to like prevent you from like popping peas and stuff, but then like it blocks my whole face. And then Zarar had to email me. Shout out to Zarar. Zarar emailed me and he was like, could you not block your whole face during the podcast? And I was like, oh, true. <laughs> Zarar, Zarar is the best. Uh, <laughs> for my podcast, uh, we uh, we have the longest intro ever and he'll never not make fun of me for that. Yeah, it's like a 10 minute intro. It's very long. Yeah, we've it's changed. We don't do it anymore, but we did it for a solid year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, gl I'm actually kind of happy that you moved on from that. It's a good thing to move on from, you know? Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. people like when you start talking basketball uh, and not do a 10-minute long intro. Yeah. But I tip my hat to it, you know? It was worth <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, Freddie, we should probably wrap this up. But thank you so much again for joining me on this pod. Uh, for those who are interested, Freddie and I co-host a WNBA podcast together called The Pickup WNBA Pod. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Freddie, uh, let us know what you're up to and where we can find you on the internets. Um, yeah. Uh, follow me on uh, Twitter and Insta. I'm uh, at Freddie Revis or at Freddie Noel Revis. Um, check out my podcast, Confederacy of Dunks. Uh, we're doing a lot of, um, you know, like, like stupid draft games. I think we're going to do an all-time goat draft next week. Um, like raptors goat and, uh, or goat goats? Like just all different types of goats. Like like goat magician. Like mountain uh, goat, goat and <laughs> yeah yeah different types of like this the species yeah. Um, but um, 
Yeah. Uh, also, if you're in the Toronto area, I'm, I'm starting a stand-up show, which is going to be really fun. It's at the Burdock Brewery. Uh, first one is January 4th. Um, so come out in 2024 and uh, check that show out. Uh, it's going to be great. We have really, really good comedians and it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do the next one in February. Damn right you are. Yeah, and also a uh, shout out to my baby that's on the way. Shout out to your baby that's on the way. Oh my God. All right. Thank you again. Uh, thanks everyone for, for listening and tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Peace. Thanks for having me.